Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 2004. Be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Today I'm in Lewisburg, Tennessee, with a very special guest by the name of Tim Strange. Tim, welcome to Cars Yeah. Do you have any gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? I do, and thanks for having me. You're welcome. Nice to have you here. Now, before we get started, as if most people don't already know who you are, what's one little thing that maybe they don't know about you, Tim? Probably a lot of people that just only know me from the hot rod world don't know that I grew up racing BMX, and me and my wife still race BMX, and we run a uh, national-level BMX race team. That's incredible. Wow. That That is so cool. You know, BMX is one of those things that when I was a kid, now this was back in the late 60s, 70s, where I took my Schwinn Stingray and turned it into a kind of a BMX bike before BMX kind of became a real thing. Uh, I was something I loved to do and get out in the dirt and ride, but things have come a long way since then. You guys must have some very sophisticated bikes. Uh, yeah, we. I have custom-made bikes for me because I'm 6'3". Oh, gosh. Wow. BMX World's pretty cool. It's our stress relief. Uh, we travel to a few nationals a year and the Grand Nationals. My wife, actually, uh, for about 12 or 15 years in a row, was ranked uh, top 10 nationally Whoa. and made the U.S and got fifth at the Worlds years ago at, in Canada. Oh, my gosh. That's incredible. Wow. Well, my hat's off to her for that. That is that is very cool. Let's always ask that question at the beginning of my talk with guests because sometimes I find out some really interesting things about them. So, bravo. That's very cool. As if running a uh, world-renowned shop isn't enough, uh, you get to include that. But I like that. Yeah, having something that's physical and active as a stress release is a really healthy, good way to do it. And doing that sounds like a whole lot of fun. So do you build your own custom bikes or do you have someone build them for you? Uh, no, we have a guy that he does everything, a bike company called Standard Bike Frames that I actually met him when I was 12 years old when he worked at a bike shop and kind of cool he builds our custom anything that we need and he he traveled the world doing freestyle and was actually in the bmx movie rad at the time rick malinterno oh wow very cool i love it i love it well let me give you a proper introduction we're going to dive into this very cool world that you do on four tires instead of two tim strange is the founder and owner of strange motion where he and his team build some of the coolest hot rods in the world His builds have earned him multiple accolades and awards at Good Guys, Hemmings Motor News, the Eldon Titus Award, Johnny D'Agostino's Contemporary Custom Awards, he's been a guest on the show, and many others. His cars have been on over 350 magazine covers worldwide, and they've been on display at the Peterson Automotive Museum and numerous other car shows. Tim's been on 32 TV episodes as host and lead builder on Spike's TV Search and Restore, and has been inducted into the National Rod and Custom Hall of Fame. He's a five-time host of the ARMO Banquets at SEMA and a two-time host of HRIA Banquets as well. Uh, Tim announced for eight years at Good Guys Autocross and he's a 15-time OEM SEMA builder. We've got a pro with us today. We'll be back in just a minute to talk more with Tim about his business, but first a word from our sponsors. So give him a little love and we'll be right back. Covercraft's newest three-layer all-climate cover is especially engineered 
for moderate weather conditions, and it's treated with an extra UV-resistant formula. It's soft, it's breathable, and it's easy to store, all while pampering your paint, providing maximum UV rain and dust protection. If you live where it's windy, no worries. Simply add their gust guards for windy conditions to add extra protection to keep your cover in place. Your three-layer all-climate cover is custom-tailored with Covercraft's attention to detail, form and fit with the quality and attention to detail that's been their tradition since 1965. Covercraft protects cars, trucks, motorcycles, RVs, trailers, and watercraft, too. Every one of my vehicles is protected with a Covercraft cover. And I have a deal for you. Use the code yeah 21 Y-E-A-H-2-1 at Covercraft.com, and you'll get 10% off your Covercraft order plus free shipping. That's right. So get 10% off with free shipping by simply using the code yeah 21 at checkout. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. When it was time to renew my collector car policy, my carrier raised my rates by a lot. But why? My usage was the same, my car's value was the same, and I had never made a claim. I didn't even have a ticket. The only change was their rate, and they had no reason why. What's with that? I researched my options, I spoke to others, and with American Collectors Insurance is where I now have my policy. What a difference. A live person actually answers the phone. She spent time learning about me and my Porsche Turbo, the one I call my orange crush, and provided a reasonable quote. American Collectors Insurance now protects my special ride. I'm saving hundreds of dollars and I can sleep at night knowing my baby is properly insured. Why wait until your next premium is due? Give them a call today for your personal agreed value quote. Call 866-AC1-YEAH. That's 866-224-9324. Tell them you're a friend of mine. Mark Green at Cars Yeah. American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. Automotive enthusiasts just like you and me. That's American Collectors Insurance. So, Tim, we are back. So before we dive into your world today, I'd love to know, how did you get into this business? Because when people think about you, they think, well, this guy's just been building hot rods forever. But everybody has to have a start somewhere. So where did it start for you? I'd say uh, it was definitely from my dad. Uh, He built show choppers, like built one in the basement every winter and brought it out, took it to shows and tell me and my sister were uh, too big to all four of us to get on the Harley. (laughs) <laughs> and then he got into tri He built a 57 Chevy kind of gasser, mid to late 70s, tilt front end, Kragers, all that type of stuff. So he got me into the love of tri Chevys and hot rods. Then my my great uncle, Jim Carlson, we just call him Unc, he would take me to rod runs. So he kind of took me a little further away from home car shows and took me to like street rod shows and lead sled custom camp shows. So he kind of got my love for the street rods, the pre-48 stuff, and definitely the lead sleds. So to my dad and my great uncle was definitely where I got it. So what year did you officially start this as your main career? And you said, this is what I'm going to do. Well, actually, um, I found drawings of my shop logo that I knew the shop was going to be called Strange Motion clear back into seventh grade that I found a school notebook for it. I was probably sketching I was supposed to be paying attention in math or history of or course, something. Yeah. <laughs> I just knew I always wanted to build hot rods no matter how I could get there. So of course I started out in collision shops in high school and 
couple Chevy dealerships, but this summer will be my 28th year running a hot rod shop full-time just doing hot rods. Oh my gosh, 20. Well, you learn a few things after 28 years. And for those of you who just heard my introduction, and it really was an abbreviated introduction because I could have spent probably five more minutes talking about Tim and his business. Did you ever think when you, you sit back now and look back and go, wow, I, I've, I've come a long way. Yeah, it's weird. It kind of surprised me listening to you get, get that. <laughs> I just still just love building hot rods and I'm lucky that I get to do it. Of course, you know, the road wasn't easy to get there. It's still not an easy gig every day, but yeah, it is, it is pretty lucky that I get to build hot rods for people. When you think about your career and your business today, and it sounds like you, your wife works with you as well in your company, right? Actually, she used to do the upholstery full-time for like 15 years. For the past seven years, though, uh, she's worked for a FM3 uh, motorsports marketing company. So she's involved in their company runs the trailer programs for like Optima batteries and QA1 suspension, but she's the registration manager for the Hot Rod Power Tour, the Roadkill Drag Race, five, six, or seven Holly events. And then she does some sponsorship and marketing for a lot of companies that they represent for their marketing company. Oh, cool. Okay. All right. Well, hopefully you didn't drive her away. <laughs> yeah, she, she did help on a car that we built for SEMA. Because uh, she still does some interior, and uh, she brought back some old cuss words and realized that she doesn't really enjoy doing doing upholstery. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. W- well, this business of yours, you've won so many awards and done so many different things and built so many different cars. Is there a favorite aspect of this business for you when it comes to the the vehicles that you've built for people? Is there a certain kind of car you like working on? Or is it really just like a lot of builders I have in the show talk about, well, I like the next project. That's the fun thing for me. What's coming up next? Yeah, you're always thinking about the next project. I guess I'm I'm lucky that when I first started, I was just taking in anything that people would bring me and I'm putting, you know, my shop used to be in Illinois and I was fixing rust repair and rockers and holes and cab corners and stuff all the time. And I'm pretty lucky I can kind of pick and choose what I want to work on now. We do hot rods and restos. We don't do a lot of restorations. I think I've only got one like kind of resto, but it's got some pro tour bolt on suspension. My favorites, if I had a choice, I would build customs and lead sleds, shop tops and, you know, custom body mods kind of the shops mostly filled with like pro tour styled stuff right now. Yeah. Anymore, we don't really say yes or no to a car. We say yes or no to the people because I've been doing this long enough and I've worked for some idiots and everybody has when they started. And I'm real lucky with the clients that I have now. And uh, like if somebody wants us to build like a pretty extensive car, like a full build, we kind of want them to hang out with us at a car show for a weekend or Mm. go to dinner because you're going to be with them (laughs) then we kind of talk about it for a week or so if we got any bad vibes from these people that they're not going to be enjoyable to work for because you're going to travel and take these cars to events usually yeah and uh, we just don't work for people that we don't you know there's plenty of shops out there and not everybody's personalities are built to work together so we just pass on the car and Somebody else could do it. But yeah, we just like to work for people, whether it's their dream car or whatever. I don't, if somebody comes to me and say, hey, what's this car going to be worth at an auction next year? I won't build them a car. I'm not interested in building flip cars for people. I want to build a dream car for those those clients. Well, you know, that kind of wisdom, Tim, comes with age and with time and learning that what is important in your business. And I've always said this with people, learning to say no is as important to saying yes projects right yeah people would tell me that other shops and stuff and 
it and like raise your rates because then that weeds out the clientele that really can't afford you. And it took me a while to really understand that. It probably took me 15 years or so to really grasp that. But, you know, it's it's a whole timing thing, too. When you start, you do local shows and then you build a better car and you start making a little more money. Then you get to travel and go to national events and get your name out. And that's where the car magazines see you. And, you know, yeah, the car magazine world's changed a little bit. There's still plenty of magazines out there. But when I got my first car in a magazine, the phone started ringing. I quit the dealership and went full time. <laughs> that's how go. important yeah. we're yeah, no kidding. Well, you know, all this comes with time. Nobody can open, put a shingle out and open a business and be that picky. I, I get that. Now, let's talk a little bit how many people know you is on Spike TV Search and Restore, the TV show. How did that all come about? And you've done 32 TV episodes. <laughs> That's a lot. Yeah, I mean, I just I just want to build hot rods. I never said, hey, I want to be on TV. And it's still weird that I was on TV. It just kind of worked out. It's right place at the right time we built a, a 52 buick and took it to a bunch of shows and we took it to sema end of the day i was standing there wiping it off and kevin tate it was on the power block on the trucks tv show he walked up and introduced himself we started talking and exchanged numbers and the next month he called me and says hey we're doing a, a volunteer week down here all-star body thrash thing that they did on a dually would you like to come down and i'm like sure they didn't pay anything I had to pay for my own hotels and everything. And they kind of fed you. And I was like, well, that'd be kind of cool just to go hang out with these other body guys that I've kind of looked up to and never really worked with. And so I rolled the dice and went down for a week and had awesome time. And, you know, they reran that show three or four times a year and a half after they were looking to add another show to that RTM, the power block shows or power nation now. Um, and they gave me a call and flew in a bunch of people for screen tests. And Mike said they liked the tattooed guy and uh, <laughs> kind of how I got my TV show. We always liked the Nashville area. Uh, we always come down here for bike racing, the BMX National all the time. And so it was kind of a sign that that, that show was anywhere colder or uh, I don't really care to live in California. That show was on the West Coast or someplace I didn't really look think it was exciting to move to. Yeah. I probably wouldn't have took the show, but we really liked the Nashville area. And uh, so I knew TV wouldn't last forever. And so it got us to move kind of out of the snow belt of Illinois and get us down here in the in the southern weather that's usually a little better you know you know some great things are going on in nashville and tennessee the whole state uh, a lot of people migrating there uh tech industry and all sorts of different businesses and so forth so it sounds like you made a good move yeah and we're on the out the out, outskirts a little bit about a half hour out of the city but there's you know mike wolf the american picker guy has a place 20 minutes from us where he has monthly cruise-ins and billy lane the choppers inc guy lives over there and Ian Johnson's four-wheeler TV shows filmed in the next town over and Kevin Tate's shop that does a bunch of online stuff that, again, used to be at the Power Block. And, you know, there's drag race guys and Bonneville race guys and Trailer Cat. There's just, it's really a, a really weird little spot that we're in right now. The, the Nashville area, there's a lot of car stuff going on in filming industry and just, it's really cool. Yeah, it's great. Sounds wonderful. Tim, do you have a driving inspiration in your life? Somebody who was maybe a key mentor or very influential in getting your career going or maybe helping move your career along? It definitely in life and everything was my dad. My dad came from pretty much nothing. Uh, he was raised in a bunch of bad foster homes, came from nothing. So he didn't have any you know, family support behind him and uh, you know, grew up on farms and dairy farms and helping on, you know, cattle farms and crops and stuff. And just his work ethic is what he taught me. He says, you know, don't have an ego, 
nobody's better than the next person and just get up in the morning, put as much work in as you can until you can't do it and do it all over again the next day. And, uh, you know, just don't be scared to do it. If you mess up, start over and do it again. Wow. You're very fortunate. Yeah. Especially coming from now he's got a 450 acres worth of farmland and a hundred head of cattle. Oh my gosh. Wow. Well, he sounds like the kind of guy that, uh, where my dad family came from, they were farmers in Texas and their work ethic and hard work drive and so forth is what really got him through. So, uh, you're very fortunate, especially coming from the background that he had. I mean, things could have gone completely the other way, but it sounds like he has a good spirit about him. Yeah. But in the hot rod world, I mean, there, I grew up around, you know, he was a hot rodder. So there was a good local hot rod scene of a bunch of car clubs and really good rod runs. I mean, we'd get in the fall, the one rod run, there'd be 700 cars there all the way from Chicago. So the, the local scene was really good to be inspired. You know, there was local guys getting in the magazine stuff, but you know, a lot of them, they were all hot rodders, but they didn't do it for a living. Yeah. There was a couple of guys that ran a drag race shop or something like that, but everybody, they still thought, well, you gotta, you gotta have a, a day job and your hot rod stuff is your hobby business. And you know, that, that was, you know, really small town USA. We were close to, I mean, uh, the high school I went to was junior high and high school. And there was only 170 kids in it. When I told my guidance counselor that I wanted to build hot rods for a living, he seriously laughed out loud at me. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Wow. Well, well good hobby. Can't do that for a living. So it's that's just, you know, luckily, I, I'm pretty bullheaded. And I, I just put my head down. And that's what I knew I always wanted to do. So yeah. on the business side of hot rods, a lot of mentors on what to do and somebody to ask on a chassis question or a body question. And my first body boss he had custom corvettes so he taught me a lot of a lot of custom paint tricks and everything but you know the main business there was still collision work in this small town so you know i just I just you know took the inspiration from the local hot rod dudes and my dad's work ethic and made it happen you know I, two companies that are or foundations that are part of my charities of choice are rpm foundation and tech force foundation and those two organizations are really about helping young people see that there's true great careers and jobs in the tech industry, automotive industry, restoration, all that kind of thing. And I'm hoping more, now this is a while ago when you're in high school, but I'm hoping more and more high schools are realizing that. They have a slogan at Tech Force that blue collar jobs are the new collar jobs and that these are viable careers that young people can do uh, versus their traditional, you know, four years of college, getting in debt with college debt and, and then yeah, not really yeah. know what you want to do. So I'm really happy to hear that. I guess the thing would do would be to call that counselor up and say, Hey, can you see me now? Uh, check it out, dude. Uh, I figured out yeah, they did. it happen. My sister's a uh, counselor in the next town over and they little small towns have consolidated with sports. And they've asked me to come back and give a, a talk at the school. And when that, the original guidance counselor was still there, I kind of told him, laughed at him and told him no. And uh, I should probably do that just to go back and show those small town people that, you know, it's a big world out there. But kids nowadays with the Internet and everything, they know it's a big world and they can get out of the small town a lot, a lot easier. Absolutely. Well, I'm really proud of what you've done, Tim. It's just been phenomenal. And it's not for a whole lot of hard work and effort and uh, grinding away to use a bad pun in the body shop but, industry. But I'm also glad I did go to a small school like that that. I probably would have got lost if I was in a school that had 5,000 students or something in it. Because at our school, all the teachers knew you. They knew you liked hot rods and BMX and, you know, you knew everybody. So I'm very glad that I went to a small school. Yeah, something to be said for the, the great things about small towns. We'll take a short break for our sponsors. We come back. I want to talk about a big challenge you face in your career, your business, perhaps. Maybe it's in your life. So keep that thought in mind. We'll be right back. 
AutoGeek's Blackfire SiO2 Spray Sealant. It's a spray-on, wipe-off sealant that's quick, safe, and easy to clean and protect your vehicles. I love using it on all my cars. AutoGeek's Blackfire SiO2 Spray Sealant is a spray-on, wipe-away sealant that uses SiO2 ingredients to provide a slick, brilliant, and long-lasting shine. Silicon dioxide is known to be one of the most effective ingredients in car care products, and Blackfire Spray Sealant takes advantage of of every stunning feature it has to offer. This sealant will protect your paint from road film, dirt, and other common contaminants while providing an impeccable, long-lasting, hydrophobic surface that forces water to sheet and bead on your paint for months. Go to autogeek.net to get yours and for the best product selections on the internet today, along with their skilled technical support. Autogeek.net is where I go for all my detailing needs. That's autogeek.net. Check them out today. Linkage. It's a new quarterly publication and website that covers the automotive market, driving, restoring, collecting, and discovering your passion for motor vehicles. Linkage is about experiences, opinions, and values. Linkage is an actual, informed, reasoned opinion based on firsthand experiences. A talented Linkage team covers the automotive world, the people who share your passion. And mine, smart, considered, rational, and experienced opinions. Ones you can learn from and grow. That includes our passion that drives auctions and the collector car market. So come with me and join us on this journey. And be sure to use the code CARSYEAH when you subscribe and they'll give you $10 off. Boom! Linkage, geared for the automotive life. Subscribe today at LinkageMag.com. So, Tim, I want you to share with me maybe a big failure, maybe a big challenge, some kind of obstacle that you've come up against. But the reason I ask this is more about what you learned from it, that valuable lesson that you were able to take forward to the success you have today. So take us on a little bit of a, a rough ride. I think it's probably what I kind of touched on earlier is not being scared to tell a client no. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've all, everybody that's worked for any type of business, you've all had a certain person, a client, whether you you're selling cars at a dealership or, or whatever. And they said, you know, you, somebody call you and so like big plans and they want to build a car. And sometimes it just never worked out. There's a reason they called somebody in the middle of nowhere that was low labor rate at that time. Cause they thought they could pull the wool over somebody's eyes. And uh, you know, I've had a few customers like that. I've learned you got to do your research on the client. Yes. There's a lot of bad shops and a lot of good shops out there but there's a lot of bad clients out there too. <laughs> yeah. Not everybody with, with, with money that wants to come into your shop and have a dream car built has the best intentions. Sometimes they're just looking to get a deal or, you know, to try to strong arm you. And I could seriously talk for hours about that. But yeah, don't, don't be scared to say no to a client. Don't be scared to fire a client when you have a car in here and you see it going down a bad path and them running out of money and wanting to, you know, cut corners just to get it done or something. And uh, them and their buddies might talk crap about you if you kick a car out of your shop. But trust me, in the long run, it's a lot better than trying to suffer through the completion of a car that you're not going to enjoy the process and the person. 
This is an incredible lesson for you young listeners that are out there in any kind of career. I learned that lesson the hard way in my late 20s, and I worked with another guy, and we had a horrible client, and I dealt with them, and oh, they made my life miserable for years. Great money, but it was just, and I finally got to the end of my rope, and I went to my business partner. I said, I just can't work with these people anymore. He said, I don't know how you've lasted as long as you have. Fire them. And I looked at him, I think I was 28 or 29, and I said, fire them? He goes, yeah, fire them. And I never felt so good as that day. And I did it very, there's a way to do it politely and professionally, right? Yep. And then sometimes there's not. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, sometimes it's just goodbye. Uh, But I did it in a very nice way and I never felt so good. I went surfing that whole afternoon after I did that. I never had such a nice afternoon in my life. I just felt like this weight (laughs) off my shoulders. Well, let's talk about a bucket list. Is there something coming up here this year, next year, that is a special thing for you that you really want to accomplish? Maybe it's a build or some kind of vehicle you'd like to build? That list is never ending. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to dream build. I actually have them written on a dry erase thing in my hallway at the shop of cars that I want to do and certain events that I'd like to do. I don't, I'm kind of in a point in my career that I don't really chase awards. I still build cars for myself. I just did a car for me and my dad. We debuted it at SEMA. I've got a couple cars I'd like to build for myself and a couple I've actually have artwork of and renderings that I'd like to find that dream client that would fit into a certain car. Um, there's still a couple industry awards that I'd like car show awards that I'd like to go after, but it doesn't mean the end of my career if I never get that choice. But my new thing that I would really like to do is drive a car at the Salt Flats at Bonneville. Oh, um, if I fell in love with Bonneville, um, we were thinking about building a vehicle for ourselves. Our friends close to here have uh, four Bonneville cars in their family race teams, and I actually fit in the one. And there's talk of in the next year, this year, next year, something that I might be able to at least get in and start doing some licensing runs in in their car. And the one car has a 262 record, and one has a 232 record. And the one I fit in is the 232 record. So, yeah, they like to run. Uh, you know, it's hard to get. In the 200-mile-an-hour club at Bonneville, there's a whole bunch of restrictions, and I learn more every time when I dive into the rule book and stuff. You don't just run 200 and get your red hat. You have to set a record, and the board can still say, no, you don't get a red hat. It's, you know, it's kind of up to them, and you got a, a percentage of, you know, that one car might have run faster with a bigger motor so that even though it's slower, it's got to run a percentage of that other speed before you get uh, the red hat club. Like My buddy's car has got a 232 record. He has a record. And it's in the record book, but he's not in the 200 mile an hour club. And that's hard to grasp the thought process behind all of that. But yeah, that's my main bucket list. I would love to drive a car at Bonneville. Wow, that sounds very cool. I've had uh, many guests on the show here that are record setters, speed record setters uh, that have done that. And yeah, that is a pretty prestigious group of people. But I have no doubt you're going to get there one day, Tim. That sounds spectacular. I like to ask my guests about a special vehicle in their life. Now, you've been around so many special vehicles, but if you had to pick maybe just for today, one vehicle that stands out for you, what would it be? Well, there's there's kind of two. The first one would be our Purple 54 that me and my wife built when we were dating. I started it when I was 19. It's the one that made the phone ring for me to quit the dealership, and then we still have it, and it's on display in the Hall of Fame Museum in Oklahoma. But the main car is a 52 Buick Custom. Uh, we started this car for some people that I didn't do the proper interview process and uh, it got stalled out and we had a chance to sell the car to find a new client, which we did. Uh, these people from California, Paul and Eric Hansen, Paul since passed away 
And that car got to be 10 times the car that it ever was going to be for the first client. And we traveled around the country with it. We did Pomona and we did Sacramento. We did Detroit, Tulsa, and, you know, uh, a couple other indoor shows we did and toured it outdoors. And it won, you know, major awards, won the Custom Kemp's America's Top Custom, the Triple Seven Award, um, was a finalist for the Fine Nine for 20 grand at the Tulsa show. And that was the one I touched on earlier that I took to SEMA. Um, and the customers didn't care about it going to SEMA because it's a trade show and not a car show. Now they do that battle of the builders, but we had that car and we, since the customers didn't care if that car went to SEMA, it was, they let us take it. So it was all on our expense to haul it clear out there from Illinois at the time to Vegas and for the week and hotels and everything. But that was a car I was standing by when I met Kevin Tate from the power block. Well, from that meeting, from that car that turned into me moving to Tennessee and having my own TV show. And the, my show, Search and Restore, was a, a give back show. So like the one family, we built a car for the kids and the dad that had lost their mom to cancer that they dated in that car. And, you know, major corporations were sponsors. They sent the family to Disneyland. They started a college fund for these kids. And that's what all eight of those builds, those 32 episodes, was a, a give back. Well, it also worked on volunteers to get people so we could build the cars quick enough. So a lot of my buddies in the industry came, and, you know, there was times we had 12 people sleeping on our living room floor because the TV wasn't paying. <laughs> um, but their shop got the exposure from TV. Some of the guys had to add staff, so that created jobs. Some guys got so busy from the exposure from that TV show that they had to move to bigger bigger locations. Two guys ended up on another show, but they were the body man on the Gas Monkey show. Mm-hmm. And another guy, first time on TV was... Uh, Jamie Jordan that now has his own signature bead roller tools and how-to videos and has been on a whole bunch of other TV shows. And then the first time Justin Nichols was on TV was on my show. He volunteered and that turned into having him having the wrenched TV show that he did three episodes. So that one car was a perfect storm that did so many things. When you think about it, I got to build that car. And when I standing by that car, who I met and what it turned into and helping the families and building shops and putting food on the table and sending kids to Disneyland and a college funds. And it's really a crazy story that I actually wrote a story and it was printed in a book about how that one car was a perfect car and it created so many much happiness in so many people's families and jobs. Wow. The perfect storm catalyst car uh, that made so much that that's orange, right? Yeah, it's like a copper colored. Yeah. Copper orange. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, I know. I've seen that car. Yeah, it's insane. Wow, very cool. Well, I'm going to be your car psychologist here today, Tim. I'm going to crawl into your skull a little bit here. If you were manifest as a car, now this isn't what you want to be. This is how you perceive the man in the mirror. What would you be and why? Okay, so you did give me this question ahead of time. <laughs> yeah. and I listened to quite a podcast that some of my buddies were on. So this is a really hard one. I asked my wife. My wife says I'm a bulldozer. Okay. <laughs> I, well, she might know best. I just put stuff out of my way. And uh, my buddy Mitch Henderson, that he he has passed away last year. Oh, he always sorry. said I I was like a tractor because I had the work ethic of a tractor. But in my mind, I kind of see myself as like a really mean sounding quick 55 Chevy with an old school tunnel ram and velocity stacks and fender well headers. That's how I see myself as a car. <laughs> you want to think like a, a Mira or, you know, a Ferrari Lamborghini, something like that. But really I'm a, I'm a down and dirty, the 55 Chevy. It's probably got primer spots on it, but it's fast and it sounds mean and it scares little old ladies when you drive by. <laughs> now, well, so. but my wife still says, 
deserve. Yeah, that's an honest answer to that question, Tim. And I appreciate you giving that some thought because a lot of times I'll have guests that'll kind of They'll talk about cars they like, not how they perceive themselves. But it's hard sometimes to look at ourselves and go, well, what am I really like? But, you know, your wife's probably not far off either. Uh, she probably knows yeah. you better than I, anybody. <laughs> I'm definitely not a Prius. No, I don't think so. No, far from that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Is there a great book that you've read that you'd like to share with our listeners? I kind of giggled when I, I hear that question when I listen to your other interview people. Um, I don't really have time to read mm-hmm. many books. I all the car magazines that I can get my hands on. And yes, there's a lot of car magazines that have dropped off, but there's a lot of good ones that have came back from that that are subscription only. But the last in the last year, I've actually read two books. One was The History of Freestyle BMX. And my latest car book that I read, um, and those are the only two things that I, I read books on is BMX and hot rods. Um, I read the uh, uh, Elena Shear. I don't know how to say her last yeah, name. Sure, yeah, Shear, uh, yeah. Yeah, that wrote the... Uh, kind of autobiography storybook on Don the Snake Perdome is excellent book. Excellent. There's a lot, not just his racing stuff, but him growing up and his life and stuff that is very surprising. And I've been a Don Perdome fan since I was a little, little kid. So that's, that's the last book that I've read and it is excellent. Yeah. Elena was on the show and she talked about that book and that led to me having Don as a guest last year. And, you know, I was kind of a childhood dream because I used to build the snake models of his dragsters and funny cars when I was a kid and even had the Hot Wheels cars, of course. And then to get to talk to him after all these years and having this vision of him, and he was the nicest guy. We had a nice little chat before we recorded the show and afterwards. He was just super friendly. And it's kind of nice when you meet your childhood heroes and they end up being as nice as you would hope they would be, you know? I've got a quick Don Perdome story, a couple, whether you edit this out or not. But when I was little, we used to go to Cordova for the World Series of Drag Racing in Cordova, Illinois. And he would come as match racing. It was the weekend before the U.S. Nationals all the time. Well, we caught him. I guess I'd come back and pestered enough or looked in and we caught him in a weak moment. He took me and my dad on a tour. I was like seven, eight years old through his trailer. And years late, you know, so that really made, you know, Don Perdome. He was just my hero from there on out that he took the time to talk to this little kid and his dad. And, you know, through the hot rod industry, I've got to be really good friends with Larry Dixon, three-time top fuel champion that drove for the snake. And he's like, man, you must have caught him in a weak moment because he never took anybody anywhere into his trailers. Like, oh, well, this was a match race. You know, it wasn't a national event. And and then I restored a historic 32 Roadster. It was one of the most 75 significant deuces when they did the anniversary, the last the 75th anniversary. Now it's the 90th anniversary. But I did this car for a guy and I delivered it to Southern California. And he kept saying, oh, the snake's coming by. The snake's coming by. And I was like, okay, I know who the snake is, but Maybe this guy, he, everybody's got a buddy maybe named the snake, you know? So sure enough, here comes this Porsche SUV up the driveway and it's Don Perdome pulling up. Well, at this time I'm unloading this car and the float got stuck on this old flathead motor after hauling it across country. And so it wasn't running right. And I, I was a little flustered and here comes Don Perdome and he gets out and you know how he calls everybody kid. What you got going on here, kid? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? seemed to work right and so he's like give me a screwdriver so hands him a screwdriver and i'm thinking i'm going to see this awesome you know drag race tech tip for these old stromberg's carburetor now he spins the handle around and he hits the carburetor (laughs) with the screwdriver hand and then it works he goes floats were stuck (laughs) so then we're laughing i kind of look at him i go you look kind of familiar to me and he's like you know because i like to mess with people and he goes yeah i get that kid i go He's some kind of stock car racer. Oh. And he's like, yeah, yeah. Kind of like, you know who I am. You know? <laughs> so, yeah. 
That's my Don Perdome story. So that's a great story. I like that. Very nice. Well, that kind of fits with who he is. But you know, yeah, it's fun when people take the time to be nice to you and speak with you. And uh, my dad took me to uh, drag races up in Orange County. I grew up in Southern California when I was a kid. And afterwards, they had an exhibition of Evil Knievel jumping over school buses, and we got to oh. you know stand in line. And I'll never forget walking up to him. Could you sign my picture? And he looked at me and kind of smiled. And that smile, you know, he was an honorary guy. And he goes, he goes, what? your name? And I said, Mark. And he goes, you sure about that? And I always remember that going, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Mark. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he kind of sent me back there, but that's fun stuff. Thanks for sharing that story. I've got an evil Knievel story again, whether you what? use this or not, that I never got to see him jump. But when we lived in Illinois or growing up, my dad was a Harley guy. I said, Kiwani, Illinois was the Harley shop. Uh, it was Remans, And Riemann was a factory Honda or Harley dirt track racer. Well, he was so well known on my mechanics when evil knievel came through the midwest that's the only guy that would touch his bike so he had an evil knievel bike on display there and then a guy out of rock island illinois named george sedlak painted a lot of evil knievel's bikes and like i've known george sedlak since i was a little kid he was just at all the rod runs and stuff so i got to like touch an evil knievel bike but never got to see evil knievel himself in person wow that's very cool yeah fun stuff well before i let you go i'm going to take you on the ultimate drive here tim i've got an open checkbook for you i'm going to buy you any car you can go riding with anybody living or deceased and you can be driving anywhere so for a guy who's been around so many cool rides what does an ultimate drive look like for you well that's hard to pick one person i've lost my mom in the last couple years so it'd be fun to go on another road trip with my mom and my dad we did that me, my mom, my dad, and my wife, we hauled a car to SEMA one time. So we drove across country with a truck and trailer. So we've done a cool road trip like that. But of course, I'd like to go on another road trip with my mom and dad. My wife and me, we've always wanted to take one of our old hot rods that we got and try to do as much of the old Route 66 road as you can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd be to go overseas and, you know, do Autobahn or something like that. But I love the history and the Americana, the old buildings and you know, the old small towns and, uh, I don't really care what we drive in, if it's a new, new Cadillac or whatever, but me and my wife, we want to do the route 66 someday as much as we can. There's so many great things to see in this country. There really are. And, you know, it's time his lockdown is starting to let up a little bit. I hope more, we, we need to be free, uh, to get out there and see the American road. Oh my gosh. Uh, something everybody needs to do. Cause this country is absolutely spectacular. You have taken us on an awesome ride, Tim. I can't thank you enough. Before I let you go, could you share maybe a success quote or words of inspiration for our listeners? today well I, like i say i've had a, a lot of you know my uncle and my dad and my, you know my dad is work ethic and everything and I, I say this to people and you know they think oh my goodness i'm tired because i worked my 40 hours and i joke and say oh i remember my first part-time job <laughs> you know um you know i had a, a body shop job and i went to college and my parents at the time it was a christmas tree farm so we i would work till two o'clock in the morning on the christmas tree stuff and i'd have to drive to iowa and over an hour and be ready to go at seven o'clock in the morning. And I did that for a year and a half and then worked at the body shop in the afternoons. Um, so my, my thing that I always say is my dad used to say, remember a 12 hour work day is still a, only a half a day of work. <laughs> wow. Well, that's why you're a success. Uh, that's it right there. Yeah. That is a great quote. I've never heard that one. Very cool. So how can people learn more about you and, and keep up with you? Um, we've got a website, strangemotion.com. Uh, or you can 
check uh, some of our projects out. We need to get it updated, and there's some merch on there and tools. I've invented a Gapit tool that we've sold a whole bunch of. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of a cool thing for the industry that people can help with their panel fit and everything. And then, of course, I've got social media. We've got a Strange Motion Facebook page. I've got a public like Tim Strange page and my normal one for just me. And, of course, Instagram is Strange Motion Rod N Custom. And my Tim Strange as Rod Builder is the one I normally post on because they limit you on a business page so much on who gets to see it. So I actually post more on that Rod Builder Instagram page. Yep, I do the same. I'll make sure I put all those links on Tim's show notes page. Listeners, follow him. Check it out. You will be blown away if you don't already know about him, but you probably do. I want to do a shout out. Thank you to Mitch Bergeron who who, uh, introduced me to Tim. He's the one that got us together. So Mitch, thank you very much. Yep. Yep. And uh, Tim, I want to thank you for spending some time with me today. I know you're a busy guy. Uh, Until you and I talk again, my friend, I'll see you down the road. Thanks for having me, and we'll see you at the event. Absolutely. You know what? We are all wired differently, and not everyone needs to go to a four-year university. Technical education and the skilled trades matter, and one can build a solid career as an auto, diesel, or collision technician. They're no longer blue-collar jobs, they're new-collar careers, as the technology and skill sets have become so advanced. Support career and technical education by getting involved with TechForce Foundation. It's a Cars Yeah! charity of choice. Learn more at techforce.org. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to carsyeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah! Yeah!